now with Blake Lovell, managing editor of Southeastern 14, soon to be 16. And don't mm -hmm. worry, they have all the numbers going out there. So don't even try to steal it uh, at the Blake Lovell on Twitter. Blake, so let's get into it. Talking about it, you heard the question earlier. Does Vanderbilt have this? Do they really have a shot in this? Does I mean, are Vandy fans kind of crazy to think they are going to make the tournament? I know they're not crazy, and I, and I think they have a shot. I think um, th there is some frustration out there as though – the last five games should erase what Bruno just said, the first 22. And that, it doesn't work that way. Um, it, it's, it's great, right? It, it's a five-game winning streak. But it, it doesn't erase the first 22 games. And, and I think that's what you have to remember when you start talking about NCAA tournaments. Because the committee, or not the committee, the NCAA, will say that every game is weighed equally. And that's what it has actually in the language. If you read it, it, is, it there says nothing about the final portion of the season, which it used to be the last 10 games, weighed more than, than everything else. It's not that way anymore. Now, will there be some human element to it to where that will weigh more for some people? Sure it will. Um, and I think they'd be lying to say it doesn't matter at all because otherwise you're fielding a tournament in November, you're fielding a tournament in March. And if you're fielding one in March, you want to have the best teams that are actually maybe playing better once they get to that point. So, yes, Vanderbilt fans should be having the, the discussion but I don't think that you can get too far ahead of yourselves in acting like you're somehow being um, held back by yeah. the computers, right? <laughs> and I just don't think it works that way because the computers are going to factor in the first 22 games just like they're going to factor in the last five. That, that feels like you're hitting the head on it because I know, obviously, I say this all the time, one of the best brains to actually talk about all this with is Blake Lovell, and I mean that passionately. I don't mean that as he's on the show right now. But it, it's a lot of Vandy fans right now are just going to conference play. That's all they're talking about. That's all they are keep bringing up. When we're talking about these computers, do they do, do they really factor all the full game in? Do they factor schedule? How do they, what are they really looking at when they do factor these things in? All right. So I can tell you, I can read it for you guys, like straight from looking at like the net rankings, right? Like the net rankings are – they're not the end-all, be-all. And I think sometimes people believe that because I, that's the only thing I share. But I share it because it's a great resource like for to tell you what are some things that will be valued, all right? So the net ranking, Vanderbilt right now is what? They're like in the 80s, 90s, 90, 89, something like that. Um, way back there still. Uh, but when you look at it, so what, what makes up the net? Here is it straight from the NCAA. Winning percentage, game results, Strength of schedule, game location, scoring margin, net offensive and defensive efficiency, which that's one Vanderbilt fans should not overlook because Vanderbilt, if, from an efficiency standpoint, is not good defensively. If you look at defensive numbers, that's not me saying that's the way it should be. That's just the way it is. <laughs> and then the quality of their wins and losses. Here's what stands out, guys, okay? And this is what I tried to put out there yesterday. I think there was a little backlash when I said it, <laughs> but you guys know how this works. So, Vanderbilt has 15 wins this season, right? Yes. 11 of those wins are by eight points or less. Eight of those wins are by five points or less. Now, what does that mean? That means that Vanderbilt, and someone used this term, and I'm going to keep stealing it from them because I don't think they trademarked it since they used it on Twitter yesterday. But they call Vanderbilt the coin flip team. That's what they are. Like, they are the coin flip team, meaning they can win a game by five or less, they can lose a game by five or less, because let's not ignore that either. Like, they've, they've had several losses by, like, five points or less. And so every game has kind of been close, you know, obviously outside of a handful, five to seven games, whatever. So it's like 
what matters is the scoring margin, right? Like they're not just going out and destroying teams. They didn't do that in the non-conference schedule. So it's what is that gap, right? How do you kind of – and that's why I keep saying that the computers, the metrics are confused because they're not understanding, okay, yes, this team's on a five-game winning streak, but the team also was 10 and 12 before that. They had a lot of close wins, even against teams that were not that great, but they also had some close losses against teams that were good. So it's like, how, what do you make of this? Now, as I say, I'm not a computers guy, I'm not a metrics guy, but I understand why they use this as a data point, and they should because it helps you put everything into kind of one nice little argument while also adding the human element. Does Vanderbilt look like an NCAA tournament team right now? Yes. Did they look like an NCAA tournament team the first 22 games? No. So I think we have to have that in the full part of the discussion to make it realistic and not just base it on the last five games, which I'm going to add this in, guys. I know I'm a little bit of a rant here. I'm not trying to be the pessimist. But in these last five games that they've won, they've beaten Tennessee, right? But they've also beaten Ole Miss, South Carolina, Florida, who are not in NCAA tournament teams. Auburn is a tournament team right now, but in a sense, Vanderbilt may actually be the reason Auburn is not in NCAA tournament team, if you think about it. So it's a very weird dynamic that's going on right now with this team, but they're at least in the discussion. No, I want to give you your flowers because you kind of called that one early. When we just first started having you on, you were like, Vanderbilt's the team that's going to keep it close, and you always have a, you know, a shooter's chance to win. Now, the Alabama game kind of – to put a hiatus on that take, but it's, 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 it's very clearly come back to form. But I want to ask you from your unbiased standpoint, because Vanderbilt has two camps right now, very pro Jerry Stackhouse, like almost to a cult following and very anti Jerry Stackhouse close to a cult following. And I, I don't know where to even put myself on it. I just like that Vanderbilt's winning right now, but with the way Vandy has performed and the way they're trending down the stretch here, is this season enough to justify Jerry Stackhouse's extension that he got before the season is this positive momentum for Vanderbilt to give you optimism going into what would be I think year five next year well here's here's what I'll say um you know I think and you can always do this in a certain sense now you can't do this with everybody and I think it's different in college basketball as we have discussed a couple times before because you can remake your team every year in college basketball um most teams do it seems like you can change everything and I don't think you remember they used to, it used to be guys the Argument was well, give a you know not really until the third season a coach can change everything, right? Because he's got to come in, mm-hmm. he's got to get a recruiting cycle and those kind of things. Well, you basically have a recruiting cycle every year now, um, not just with freshmen, but with your entire roster. And so, I think if you throw out the first two years, which I don't think you should, because they matter, because those games were played, um, eleven and twenty-one, nine and sixteen. But if you look at last year, they go nineteen and seventeen. I think they certainly felt like they were turning a corner as a program, right? And I think that's what made the way they started this year so frustrating is because you felt like they had built some momentum um, last season. And I'm 19 and 17, right? That's not – that's two games over 500, but in the grand scheme of things, remember, what's the team that didn't win an SEC game several years ago and won three each in his first two seasons? So now I think they've gotten to the point that it justify a long contract extension. The record itself, probably not. Um, because, you know, the numbers are what they are. Those games were played. They either won or lost. They've lost quite a few of them. But it's like, okay, if they finish strong, let's say they, they just missed the NCAA tournament, if they're just left outside, first four out, whatever. Can you, can you say it justifies at least when it was happening, when it was done, which 
again, the timing of that extension was, was not great, as we know, based on the, the, the recent results or whatever, whenever that happened. I think they, what was the timing on that? They either lost the game after, right at halftime, or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, it, it it's a hard question to answer because I think it's all about still how they finish. Um, if they lose to LSU Wednesday night, they're not going to be an NCAA tournament team. And I don't know what their record is, but at that point, again, if they're in that conversation, then you can at least point to something and say the program has shown that it is moving in the right direction because they were at least in the conversation to make the NCAA tournament. And that would be a step forward. So, you know, maybe it's like an eight-year plan, and I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy with that, um, but at least what they're doing now is putting them in a position to justify that he has them moving in the right direction. And that's probably the best way to answer it. And my last question will kind of be a fun one because I think me and Zach were talking about Vandy, their hardest games left. And the obvious is, you know, some people would say Auburn, but Kentucky going to Kentucky is going to be a tough one. How does that stack up for a team like Vanderbilt versus when the odds of Vanderbilt beating a Tennessee team at home, Kentucky, maybe they're considered a quote unquote lesser team, but you have to play them at home. Where do those kind of matchups, you know, fall under the chances of Vanderbilt winning this one? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because Kentucky, if we actually look at it, um, I'm trying to think of the exact thing. I mean, remember last year, like they played pretty close to Kentucky last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say the year before it was close too. Like I, they've actually trended pretty well in terms of playing games at Rupp. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, guys. I want to make sure I had it pulled up. But mm-hmm. Jerry Stackhouse's first season, they lose by they lose by nine at Rupp. Second season, they lose by three at Rupp. Third season, they lose by, let's see, seven at Rupp. So, like, if you look at history, they're playing pretty well there. And this is by no means a Kentucky team, right? That I know they just beat Tennessee, but it's also the Kentucky team that, that's lost at home to South Carolina and, you know, hasn't looked great at home against Arkansas and teams like that. So, Fandy's beaten both of those teams. So, I don't think this is actually that intimidating of a matchup, especially with Liam Robbins back on the floor for Vanderbilt. I think they can certainly go in and beat Kentucky. Um, because I think, that, again, it's all about matchups. I think Vanderbilt matches up pretty well with Kentucky, the way they're playing right now. So I don't think that one's as intimidating as you would think, just maybe on paper. Um, and really, it's it's just a matter – this all takes care of itself. If they just keep winning games, if they go 3-1 and one the rest of the way, and I think that what that means to me is they have to win it. Wednesday night's game is the most must-win of the, the four left, in all honesty, because – if they lose that one, it destroys their resume. Um, if they win that one and then they lose another one somewhere, I think they should beat Florida. That feels like a pretty close to a must-win. Um, but if they were to lose to Kentucky or if they lose at home to Mississippi State, I don't know that that's going to ding them that much. So, to me, the magic formula is to go 4-0 and to make the NCAA tournament. Um, if they do that, I don't know how you can keep them out at that point. But if they go 3-1 and with a loss at Kentucky or a loss at home to Mississippi State, I think they're going into the SEC tournament, no matter where they are in the metrics, no matter where they are on the net, I think they're going into the SEC tournament with at least a shot to either have to win one game, maybe two games, or maybe not. Maybe the bubble has, has you know, imploded at that point. And that's what we have to remember, right, guys? I don't think that's talked about enough. It's not just what Vanderbilt does the rest of the way. It's what every – all those – what, like you said, Bruno, earlier, Vandy's like the 12th team out right now. It's what those 11 teams in front of them do. Oh, yeah, and the other four that are like the last four in. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of teams you're trying to juggle. That's why for them, none of that matters at this point. They just have to keep winning because if they don't, it doesn't matter at all. So. 
Let's go to the other side of the state real quick here, Blake. And I think this is a lot of the other side of Vanderbilt arguments right now. It's Tennessee, that is. Seems like they've barely moved at all also in the rankings. And they just keep losing as of late. Uh, Loss against Florida. They beat Auburn, lost Vandy, lost Mizzou. Beat Alabama, which, I mean, obviously a big win. And then a loss against Kentucky, the second loss against Kentucky this year. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on the way Tennessee's performing currently? Here's why Tennessee's not moving, and I think it's pretty clear what they've done. Um, We talk about Vanderbilt. It's kind of the recency thing with Vanderbilt versus the recency stuff with Tennessee, and they're two different arguments because here's why. Tennessee's lost four of six now, right? They lost two at the buzzer to Vanderbilt, Missouri. Those aren't going to hurt you that much. But what Tennessee did before that is the same argument we're having with Vanderbilt and why they're having to do what they're having to do to get in the tournament conversation. Tennessee was 18-3 and three before that, and it's not just the fact that they were 18-3. and three. I don't think people remember that like what I said earlier about the net rankings and other like computer metrics that will be used by the committee because they're trying to field what they think are the best 68 teams, which obviously outside of automatic qualifiers. Um, what you have to remember is Tennessee has absolutely bludgeoned teams at times this season. Like They have gone out and just beaten teams you know, unmercifully by 25-plus points. 20, they've had they have 20 wins on the season. I think at least, I'm pretty sure the number is like 10. 10 of their wins have come by at least 25 points this season. So, now again, some of that's the lesser competition, right? And that's not even counting a 14-point win against the Kansas team that has a really good chance to be a number one seed. Um, you know, a win against Maryland on a neutral floor, and let's not forget that. Neutral floor wins. Winning away from home, that is a significant factor too. So they beat Kansas away from home. They beat Maryland away from home. Um, you know, then you've got you've got wins against tournament teams, right? Like Mississippi State, they're in right now. Tennessee has beat them by 34. Um, you know, look at some of the other results they've had. They beat Texas by double digits. Um, you know, only lose to Arizona, who's again a potential one seed by five. That's what Tennessee has going for it. And it beat Alabama. Let's not forget that. Beat the number one overall seed in the field. So I think people are, are making a lot about Tennessee not moving. Like when it comes to the net rankings, look, I think the net rankings are completely flawed. But when you're looking at why Tennessee's not dropping, it's because they did the bulk of their work through 21 games. They haven't done you know, a great, great job the past three weeks, I guess you could say. But even in that three-week stretch, they've lost some games they shouldn't, but they've made up for it by beating Alabama and beating Auburn. And so I think that's what you have to remember with Tennessee. It is still the same argument. It is the full body of work. And through 27 games and their 20 wins, they have blown out at least 10 teams, I think, at this point when you look at the numbers. So – that's what I think you have to remember. And remember, too, efficiency matters. Those efficiency stats for Tennessee, there's no one better defensively in the country. So that's actually helping them out a great deal also. Right, we're going to have to get you on retainer, Blake. I think we're going to need you for like four episodes a week now <laughs> just because there's so much. We got through two teams on that one, really one and a half of what we wanted to talk about. You can follow him on Twitter at the Blake Lovell, managing editor for southeastern14.com. Go check out everything there because there is a whole lot more than just Vandy and Tennessee, I promise you, going on in the world of college basketball. Thank you so much, Blake. Appreciate it, guys. Always great stuff there from Blake Lovell. If you